Thank you. Wow, this is a fantastic day. It is so amazing um, that we've arrived here at last. <laughs> and I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about history. I think it is really important. History is really important. And a guy called Michael Crichton, who is a, a fiction writer, actually, uh, and he writes this. He says, if you don't know history, then you don't know anything. He says this, you are a leaf that doesn't know it's part of a tree. You're a leaf that doesn't know it's part of a tree. Now, it may be difficult for some of you, especially the younger guys, okay, Excel, Resound, and, and, and any younger people, you think, oh, history's like, it's about old people, it's old things, it's all the past. But you know, the older you get, the more you do realize that history is really important because what happened yesterday is part of what's happening today and part of what's going to happen tomorrow. And uh, we are not just leaves, but we are part of a tree. And the Bible says a lot about history, actually. The Bible uses a very small word a lot in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It uses the word remember. So all the way through, God says, remember. Remember when this happened. Remember when God did this. Remember when that experience happened. Because you see, God put the word remember in the Bible because God is pretty sharp. You know that, don't you? It's pretty sharp. God knew that all through the time, people would have a tendency to do two things. We forget what we should remember and we remember what we should forget. And so God says, history is really important. You need to remember certain things and you need to forget other things but the problem is with you guys you forget what you should remember and you remember what you should forget so history is important and in fact when Joshua leads the people of Israel through the river Jordan before they get into the battle of Jericho which we looked at last week if you were here before they started possessing the promised land Joshua says before we move on let's just create a little pile of rocks and we're going to set these rocks up for a reason and this is what it says in Joshua chapter 4 says this, we will use these stones to build a memorial. And in the future, your children will ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you can tell them, they remind us that the Jordan River stopped flowing when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant went across. These stones will stand as a memorial among the people of Israel forever. So in other words, we're not just going to move on here. We're going to set up a pile of stones so that in the future, your kids and your kids' kids will say, hey, dad, hey, granddad, what do those stones mean? And then you will tell them what God did. That will encourage them. That will inspire them. That will give them faith for the future and for what God wants to do now. Book of Job in chapter 8, verse 8 and 9 says, Ask the former generations and find out what their ancestors learned. For we were born only yesterday and know nothing. And our days on earth are but a shadow. Believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, I do remember when I was about 13. Okay, When I was 13 or 14, my dad knew nothing and I knew everything. Isn't that right? Isn't that right, guys? And then amazingly enough, about 10 years later, I realized my dad had learned so much in that last 10 years. Actually, he hadn't, but I realized by then that I actually didn't know everything, and my dad did actually know a lot. And I want to say that, that the Bible says, you know, ask the former generations. Find out what your ancestors learned. Don't be so arrogant that you think you know it all. And the older I get, the more I realize I know, and the more I realize I don't know. And so actually history is important because we can learn from it. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to learn from our history. We're going to ask what do these stones mean. We're going to celebrate. We're going to honor. We're going to be thankful. And we're going to use that in order to break through to the future. Amen? Because our history is not only behind us. It's what God has yet to write through us. And our history is the story of God and people. And the people that God involves in his story become history makers. And I want to talk to you about the history makers of this church. Because a lot of them, in fact, are in this room. 
But some of them have gone before. I want to talk about that this this morning. You see, I want to give you some characteristics of history makers. The first thing is this. History makers learn to be thankful. When we were in South Africa in September, uh, the first time I got into the car of one of the team called Casey, and she said, right, before we all drive off, the rule in my car is this. Every person who gets in my car has to play the thankful game. And the thankful game meant that every single person, and there was about seven of us in this big car, okay, GP thing, had to say three things that we were thankful for. Every time we got in Casey's car, we had to play the thankful game. After day six, there was a lot of things that we were thanking God for. Uh, but I think that's a really good principle. Because history makers are thankful people. And you know, I've got a lot to be thankful for, for the life of this church. I'm really thankful for the love that I, we as a family have received among you as a church over the last 20 years. There have been times in our life when difficult situations with children and when my dad passed away and all of that, where the love and the friendship of you guys in this church has been absolutely life-saving to us. I'm really thankful for that. I'm thankful for all the lessons I've learned from you. Please don't ever think that the guys and girls who get to speak here know all the answers. We really don't. We are learners before we're teachers. And I'm really inspired by all the lessons of life and faith that I've learned from many of you here in this room. I'm also really thankful for all the faith stories that inspire me. You know, I've had the privilege of being involved in some of your weddings and your uh, uh, funerals and Kids come in and loss of jobs and health issues and all that. And through all of those different nuances of life, you've taught me such a lot about faith and about God and about perseverance. And I'm really thankful for that. But you know, we thought this morning it would be really good as well if we didn't just listen to the older people, but we listened to some younger people as well. What are some of our young people and children, what are they thankful for about this church? We asked a few of them and here's what they said. Hi, my name's Patrick and I'm nine years old and I want to talk about Deezy and why I'm thankful for Zion. I'm thankful for Deezy and Zion because Deezy has, like, it's changed my life, kind of, because, like, um, now every Sunday, instead of, like, playing on my tablet, I normally just get off my tablet and go to Zion and have some fun with Helena and all of my friends. And... uh, In Zion, they have um, a lot of fun too. Hello, I am Sophia Sinsel. I am nine years old, and I am thankful for the leaders that they spend their time at church to tell the children about God and how important he is in their lives. Hi, I'm Matthew, and I'm going to tell you why I'm thankful for Zion. I moved to Zion two years ago, and I felt uneasy and intimidated by some of the older kids. I'm thankful for the youth leaders who help help me find other friends and help me settle in they are just so welcoming since moving to zion i have seen changes in myself i think i'm more mature and more grown up they have helped me make right decisions and helped me go down the right paths they've taught me so much about god and i'm really happy about that my name is clara and i'm 11 years old I am thankful for the clubs and things that happen in Zion, like Youth, DZ, XL and Resound. With those groups, we do different things like play games and also learn about God. Hi, my name's Luca and I'm 15 years old. I appreciate this church because the leaders are always approachable. Everyone's nice and friendly. The Resound downstairs is a lot of fun and there are plenty of opportunities to get involved but you don't feel pressured to either. I'm Alice and I'm 13. I'm thankful for Zion because it connects me with new people, brings me closer to my friends 
and helps my relationship with God. Hi, I'm Al. I'm 16. I've been part of Zion for quite a long time now. Um, and I'm thankful for many things that Zion have done for me. Uh, but to name them all out is one for, uh, the first one would be Leon for the uh, Bulgaria trip. That was really good and sort of changed me completely. Um, Andy for taking me to Soul Survivor um, twice. Um, like keeping me on the right track and not letting me get distracted on different things. Um, and Jao for doing the one-to-one -one sessions when I was having trouble at school. I'm Aisha Woodward, I'm 17. I'm thankful to Zion for amazing opportunities to serve within the church. Um, getting to go to Zambia in the summer was an amazing privilege and I also love working with the children. There's a lot of R's in the room then, yeah. <laughs> I love, how, um, I love how language has changed over the years. Coming to church can get you off the tablet and into church. You know, it's great stuff. But, you know, we, thankful, being thankful is so, so important. I hope you are thankful this morning. I really hope you are. Whether you've been part of this church for 30 years, 35 years, or whether this is your first time here or you've been here a couple of weeks, just be thankful for what God has given us. But, you know, the second thing about history makers is that history makers take responsibility and carry weight. I wonder whether you know of these people, who these people were. Shamua, Shaphat. Egal Palti. Some of you are saying language. Or is, are those curries or what? Well, you may not have heard of those names, but actually you have. Because if I give you a couple of other names, have you heard of these? Joshua, Caleb, anyone heard of those? You see, those other names that I read out, they're all part of the 12 who went into the promised land to see whether they could take it. But those four I read out were part of the 10 that came back and said, no, we can't do it. In other words, we're not going to take responsibility and we're not going to carry weight. Joshua and Caleb said, yes, we can do it. We want to do it. Give us responsibility. Let us carry weight. History makers are those people who take responsibility and carry weight. And I want us this morning to honor a group of people within our church and I really felt God speak to me about this to say, I want you to honour those people who used to be elders or staff in this church who are no longer elders and staff but are still part of this church. Now there's lots of people who are elders and staff uh, in this church who are now not part of this church. They're in all different parts of the world, which is great. So I spoke to Steve Robinson this week. He's up in Leeds. I spoke to James and Callie on Skype a week ago. They're in Kansas City, Missouri, doing an amazing job in the States. But specifically, I want us to honour those people who used to be staff, who used to be elders, who took responsibility and who carried weight. And now they're not in that role, but they're still part of this church. If it wasn't for people like this, we might not be here now. Because they were the leaders that took responsibility and carried weight. And what we're going to do this morning is that we're going to honour them. We're going to honour them. But what we've done is we've actually um, asked a few of them if they would tell us some of their stories. You see, someone once said, history never looks like it when you're living through it. And these guys and girls lived through history of this church, and they never knew it at the time. But now we can look back and say, do you know what? That was history making when you guys and you girls took weight and took responsibility. And here's a few stories from these people. When I was about eight years old, a lady called Margaret used to come to our house on Sundays for lunch and she was praying at the time that a church would be planted in Hales Owen and she used to share that vision with my family. And it's amazing now just to look back at the church that we have here and see everything that's going on and to have been a part of seeing her vision planted all those years ago. 
come to what we, we now know as Zion. And to have been part of that over all these years is just an immense privilege. So the church was expanding to a point where we needed to get another building. We looked at different premises and in the end we came round to look at the Webb Ivory building. It happened during a lunch hour and the, the elders of the church walked all the way around the whole premises. By the time we had got it finished, which was over an hour, we were all totally flummoxed. We didn't know what to say really, we just looked at each other. So we went away and prayed and at our next elders meeting, we decided that this was where God wanted us to be. It was far bigger than we needed, but we felt this was a step of faith that we should take. And so we bought the building and the rest, as we say, is history. In the early 90s, when I was on staff with Nigel, the previous pastor, we were the only two people in the building most of the week. We seemed to have hit a brick wall as regards finances. Then OM bought into the building and the pastor asked us as a church to raise the equivalent amount of money, £50,000, to match that. Um, it, the response was just absolutely amazing. We raised more than was asked for. And so we were able to uh, start and complete our first project into opening the building to other people, which was the coffee shop, which was called Cornbow Manor then. Uh, and also other agencies uh, started to come in to rent space. It was just phenomenal. It was a real breakthrough time. The story began uh, soon after our family moved to Hales Owen, where we felt led by God to uh, join this new church of 20 plus people in 1981. Being a few in number, it was very easy to be uh, involved with certain activities, things like children's work, football, etc. And it's just great these days to, when you bump into people who we work with then, to know that they've grown up, they've got families of their own, but more so they're still going on with, on with God. One of the joys has been to see the growth uh, over the years, but more so the way lives have been changed. One of the times that's really impacted me is when we opened up the new kids and um, community floor in the back block. Um, I was aware of how much time and energy had gone into getting us to that point. And then we had a formal opening uh, of that floor one Friday evening when there was the, the kids stuff going on down there. Um, we cut the ribbon and then actually quite spontaneously the children just ran through into those rooms. And for me it was just that sense of God you are doing so much in and through this place. And that was just an image uh, of what God had already done, what God was doing at that time, but also a real faith builder in me for what God is going to go on to do. What we're going to do this morning is that we're going to honour those people and we did this at the first service, a lot of them were here, but I'm going to read out the names of all these people and then in a minute I'm going to ask if there are any of these people here at the second service for them to stand and then I want us to all really honour them by applauding them loudly. Is that okay? So that group of people, staff is Rachel Dewson, Janet Whitehead, Patricia Evans, Kath Mullis, Margaret Haywood, Val Jevons, Wendy Sims, Rosie Morley and Tom Parrish. Elders are Stuart Hills, Matthew Gregory, Helen Neville, Brian McDonald, Bernard Jones, Dave Jones, Nigel Elliott, David Haywood, Heather Griffiths, and Sylvia, Sylvia Stevens. And many of them are at the first service, but I know there are some here. So if that's you, would you stand and we want to honour you this morning. 
Thank you. amazing thank you guys so much and you know I worked out from that list that together there's a combined uh, years of service of over 150 years <laughs> but you don't look too bad considering uh, there's 150 years but we really want to honour you and all of those people many of them were at the first service because you carried responsibility and you took weight and you're still on the journey with us and that's an awesome thing so thank you so much and you know I know that these people as they served and, and, and were leaders and staff I know they had dreams and actually uh, you know for, for the church and for their area that they were involved in and you know, that's the third thing about history makers history makers dream dreams you know so this church began with one woman called Margaret Hill who had a vision and a dream for a church here in this town and she had it in her own heart and she prayed for it on her own for ages and her vision and dream was for a charismatic, spirit-filled church that would be community-focused, passionate, that would really connect, would complement the other churches in the town, but be something quite different and quite unique. She shared that dream with a small group of people, and they started a house group. Then that group in 1981 had grown in the house that was too big in the home. They moved into the old Methodist chapel on the Starbridge Road that was called affectionately Little Zion. And then they really grew in so much that a few years later, a couple of years later than that, 150 of them came into this building. That dream that began in the heart of one woman began to be passed on to others as well. Senior pastors picked up that dream, Brian and Cynthia Cole originally, then Nigel and Rachel Tween before me and Alison. Teams of elders, leaders, volunteers, all picked up that dream and ran with it. But you know, sometimes when God gives you a dream, it doesn't mean that it will come to pass straight away. Been lots of delays along the way, lots of challenges, lots of frustrations. In fact, Val Jevons told me that she, was a, she had a dream for 10 years that there would be a hairdressing salon in this church building. I don't know of many other churches on the planet that have hairdressing salons where actually not only do you cut people's hair, but we've seen people become Christians through having their hair cut and then coming into the life of the church, which is amazing. But she had that vision for 10 years and it didn't seem to be happening. And then they began to pray in this building. And she told me last week that they went and found a spot underneath here and they went and prayed there, not realizing that that would become the very spot where the hairdressing salon is right now. So you can have a dream and you can carry it for 10 years or so before it comes into reality. We still have a dream for this church, don't we? I'm feeling a little bit Martin Luther King at the moment, but we really do have a dream for this church. And in fact, 11 years ago, in 2003, I took some time over the summer, went away, really prayed, and I really felt God gave me a piece of writing called The Church I See. And some of you never heard this, but I want to read it to you because it was 11 years ago that I wrote it, but so much of what I think God gave me then is so relevant for us right now. And this is it. The church that I see is a great church. It's great because of the way that people love. The church I see is passionately in love with Jesus. The worship is exuberant, heartfelt, and real. The church I see has a love for people that means that people on the fringes feel included. People at their lowest get lifted and people at their most desperate can know hope and another chance at life. The church I see is great because of the reputation, respect and relevance it has in the community. The church I see is a growing church. The people are growing in their knowledge of God, growing in their commitment to God and growing in their influence in the world. 
The church I see is obsessed with the Great Commission. Hundreds of people become Christians as believers build relationships, pray and share their faith with the unchurched. And then listen to this bit, written 11 years ago. The church I see exists for the unchurched and will move, alter or change anything if it means that more people get a chance to hear and understand the gospel message. The church I see is a faithful church where the people have accepted the call to live sacrificial, unselfish lives of servanthood as Jesus did. The church I see is a generous church that is prepared to look, send and give outside of itself for the sake of the kingdom. The church I see is a family church where hundreds of children and young people are reached for Christ, where the elderly feel accepted and valued and where the lonely know they truly belong. The church I see is a creative church that values excellence and giftedness and encourages everyone to be contributors to the vision. And the church I see is a kingdom-oriented church where every week hundreds of God-inspired people invade their own world, intent on making a difference for God, empowered by the Holy Spirit and committed to the cause of Christ. The church I see helps people make sense of life. A church people turn to as a first resort rather than a last. Church that leads the way, sets the temperature, a can-do church that asks why not, more often it asks why. The church I see is a great church. The church I see is this church. I still see that, don't you? I see it happening. I see it happening and still to happen. And you know, we have big dreams and we believe God has given us big dreams for this church. You know, a few weeks ago, Andy, our youth pastor said to me, have you seen this thing that's come on Twitter? Somebody put on Twitter this phrase, Hail Zoen, the place where dreams go to die. Something went inside me. I thought, no way. No way. Because God is here in this town, isn't he? God loves this town. God loves this area. God loves this nation. This is not the place where dreams go to die. So I think that God put something in my heart and spirit that day. And he said, you know what, Leon? When you encourage people to come and to give financially, you're to encourage them to come and dream again as, as well. Because this is not the place where dreams go to die because God's involved. So what I'm going to ask you to do in a few moments when we begin to, you know, when we take this offering and do this gift and pledge day, is that I want you to take that dream again, Con. I want you to write a dream that you have for this town, that you have for your life, that you have for your family. And you might not all live in Hal Zoe, and I get that. When we say Hal Zoe, we're not really just talking about the town. We're talking about wherever you live. Because if you've got Christ in you, then there's dreams that God has for that place because he's put them in you. For your community and your family and your life. And we're going to dream again. And then what's going to happen is that there's a hole in the corner. Uh, after the service, our team is going to take them and we're going to go and attach them to 500 helium-filled balloons. And then this afternoon on the car park, we're going to release those 500 helium balloons into the air because this is not the place where dreams come to die, but this is the place where dreams can actually fly. And that's what we're going to do. And can I say, they are all biodegradable, eco-friendly balloons, okay? Because I know that that is an issue for some of you, but we've checked all that out. Because this is not the place where dreams come to die. And you might say, why 500? Because 500 is that number, that invisible ceiling that we keep hitting in terms of people that we're reaching through our Sunday morning. And we want to break through that and we want to reach more people. And you might say, oh, you're just into numbers. Absolutely right, I'm into numbers. Because every single number is a person that Jesus died for. That's why we're into numbers. Because we're into people. And every single person is someone that God sent his son for. You know, I am really grateful to this church that when they were a really nice house group and it was so full and it was great and they all loved God and they all loved each other, I'm so grateful that the leadership at the time didn't say, do you know what, this is enough, we'll stay like this. I'm so grateful that when the church moved into Little Zion 
and, and God was doing great things and loads of people were coming and they were hanging out the balconies and they couldn't fit everyone in into that small little chapel. I'm so glad the leadership at the time didn't say, this is enough, we'll settle for this. We're full, we'll stay where we are. I'm so glad that the church took the step to move into this building and I'm so glad that we are a church who are not going to settle for what we've got because we believe God wants more. So if you've got dreams, like I've got dreams, then I want to encourage you to dream again. Let's attach them to a balloon. Let's prophetically let them go and say, God, this is not the place where dreams come to die. But God, by your power and your spirit, dreams can live again. And the final thing I want to say is this. History makers pay the cost. You know, one day Jesus was watching two people making an offering. One was a little old lady and one was a rich man. And then this is what it says in Mark chapter 12 from the message. Sitting across from the offering box... Jesus was observing how the crowd tossed money in for the collection. Many of the rich were making large contributions. One poor widow came and put two small coins, a measly two cents. Jesus called his disciples over and said, The truth is that this poor widow gave more to the collection than all the others put together. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. And I shared that story at the vision gatherings that that I've done over the last couple of weeks. And a guy came to me. He said, I've been a Christian years, he said. He says, and I've looked at that story hundreds of times. And as you were talking about it, I was asking God, why is that story even in the Bible? He said, because that woman must have thought, what difference does two little coins make in this whole offering? And at one level, it didn't make much difference because it was just two coins. And then I felt God say this to me. He said, that story is there so that 2,000 years later, you're talking about it. And you're learning from it. And we don't even know the name of that woman, but because of what she did, because it was sacrificial, because it was out of a heart of response to God, she became a history maker. So now, 2,000 years later, we say things like this. If you give a really big gift, and if you give a little gift, if it's sacrificial, it's kind of the same. We learn from it. That's why that story is there in the Bible. And many of you know that somebody in this church has said to us that they will match what we give pound for pound, up to the value of a quarter of a million pounds, which is amazing, breathtaking. So whatever I give today and whatever you give today is potentially worth double up to the value of 250,000 pounds. But here's what I want you to know. That gift of a quarter of a million and that gift of a couple of coins, if they're sacrificial, they're equally valid in the sight of God. And that's why that story's in the Bible. And that's why what that lady did that day made her a history maker. And what we do today can make us history makers if what we give is sacrificial. You know, we have this phrase here, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. And the challenge now is for us, the current generation, we're going to honor the past, not by living in it, but by living up to it and by going beyond it. We can learn from it, we can live up to it, and we want to go beyond it. That's how we honor the past. So what happens when a bunch of people like us do what we are about to do in a few minutes? I believe what happens is that resources get released, strongholds get broken, the spiritual temperature will go up in the life of this church, ownership goes up, God's glory is enhanced, and the world will begin to take notice. You know, one of my favorite Christmas songs has a line in it that says this, God's not dead, nor does he sleep. God's not dead, nor does he sleep. And I think it's very easy to say that and sing it, but I wonder if people out there sometimes say, oh, that's all very well and good, but prove it. Today... We may be about to prove it. Because if we can break through today, I think the world will tell us, do you know what? Maybe your God is not dead. Maybe he's not asleep because you guys are doing something. Maybe God's not dead and he's not asleep. Maybe he's alive and well. So I'm going to invite the band back up. 
And in a moment, we're going to sing that song that we've sung every week over the last few weeks, either in the morning or the evening. Spirit break out. Break our walls down. Heaven come down. And as we sing this, I'm going to invite you this morning to, if you want to participate, to come and to bring your offering and to place it through the wall in that envelope that we provided for you. And take your Dream Again card and write on it. There are pens at the back. There are pens down the front. You can come and do it. And to place both of those things in the offering because that's how we're going to break through. And before we do that, I want to just pray. So let me pray and then we'll do this together. Father, we want to thank you for these sacred moments right now, Lord Jesus. Defining moments. Shift moments, God, when those tectonic plates can shift just a fraction and everything can change. God, I want to pray. That God, that as we give and as we dream and as we break through, God, I want to pray that you would do something in the spiritual dimension over this church and in our lives. God, individually and as families and as a community of people on a journey, God, I pray that you do something in these moments that would have eternal consequences. That would mean, God, that more people would get a chance to hear you and to respond to you that more communities would be impacted, that more kids and young people would be reached, that more elderly folks would be served, that more poor people would be encouraged and resourced and helped. So Father, would you come by your Spirit, I pray. And in these moments, let us know your presence. You know, just at the end of the first service, somebody came to me and said, you know, as we were doing this at the first service and people were coming and putting their arms in and putting this, I just had a picture of God smiling down on us. Just the sense of God's pleasure and God's favour over us. I really want that, don't you? So now God's favour, when we respond, when we sacrifice, when we give, when we reach out, when we break, break out, break forward, God's smile is on us. So Father, would you come by your spirit? In these moments, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand together? Let's stand. And I want to encourage you this morning to, to come. And to come and to bring your gift and to bring your Dream Again card as we begin to sing. And you know, if this morning you're a visitor or you've prayed and God has said to you, don't give financially, that's great. That's absolutely fine. You'd be totally released. Then you can dream again. You can be a part of this as you dream again with us. So as we sing, I want to encourage you to come this morning. That's really strange what happens to you sometimes. I mean, I've done this at the first service but I can't tell you how emotional I am right now just seeing so many of you come out and seeing kids and young people and families coming and mums and dads with their little ones coming and people who are brand new to the church who've only just started coming family, friends, brothers and sisters mums and dads and just can't tell you how emotional I am just the sense of what God wants to do in people's lives do you know what I mean what we're doing today is such a solemn sacred thing but it's such a joy filled thing as well Because God's heart is for people, isn't it? God's heart is for communities. God's heart is for families. He wants to turn the hearts of the children to the fathers. He wants to set the lonely in families. He wants us to build a community where nobody feels excluded, where nobody feels ostracized, where nobody feels that they don't belong. And I tell you what, we need that in our world more than ever, don't we? Where it doesn't matter about the color of your skin or about your background or about how you speak or how you don't speak, how educated you are, how uneducated you are, because you're all equal at the foot of the cross and there's that sense of community and that sense of hope and life and purpose where you can dream again where you can begin to dream again for your life where even though some of you came out you've just lost partners in the last few months and yet you came out to say I want to be part of the future and I want to dream I can't tell you how emotional I am right now 
as of what God wants to do in this church. And you know, we're going to finish our time together <laughs> before I completely dissolve. We're going we're gonna to finish our time. You know, in, um, when we had our 25th anniversary, I remember going over to the Anglican church in the town, St. John's, and saying to the vicar, look, we got our 25th, would you like to be? And he laughed at me. He said, you're celebrating 25 years. He said, we've been here a thousand years. I went, so you don't look too bad because you've been here a thousand years. I didn't say that. But you know, when they built that church, it's a Norman church. In the 13th century, 14th century, they built a bell tower. Then in 1707, Joseph Smith of Edgebaston recast the bells. And in one of those bells, the fourth one along, which is tuned to the note B flat, which is actually the note that trumpets are tuned to, interesting. He inscribed on that fourth bell in the ring, the note that's tuned to, to the bell that's tuned to B flat, he inscribed this prayer, God bless the town of Halzoen. We're not as arrogant to think that we're the only church in this town. We want to join with the other churches, but we are, we are passionate about God blessing this town and the other towns and the other areas around it. So if you live in another town, we are passionate about that. And so every time the bells in that church ring, I want you to know that one of them is inscribed with the prayer, God bless the town of Halzoen. We're part of the answer to that, aren't we? We are part of the answer to that. And so we're going to sing a song that talks about the bells ringing in churches. It talks about clouds breaking through, the sun breaking through the clouds. It talks about heaven touching earth. It's a great song written a few years ago now by Martin Smith from Delirious. But in many senses, this is a prophetic song. Because even though God has done a lot, He wants to do a lot more. And there's a sense in which this song is singing into the future. We're declaring something. We're declaring that moment when, the, when, when church bells ring and everyone knows what it's about. And the town is being blessed by God. When the clouds are breaking through with the sun of God's presence. And my dream again prayer was uh, inspired by something Andy said a few weeks ago. My dream again prayer was I dream of the day when the church in this town stops the traffic. You know, we have our moments with traffic and car parks. So when the church in this town stops the traffic because God is doing so much, so many lives are being impacted, the community is being impacted so much that nobody can ignore who God is any longer. And that's what this song is about, that there will come a moment when that will happen. And until that moment, we need to keep breaking through and we need to keep being history makers in God's name. Amen. So as we finish our time together, we're going to sing this amazing song, prophetic song. And we're going to say, Lord, you are doing this and you will do this because you are an amazing God.